This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have a Bible, let me open it to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, How many of you are thankful that we go to a church that puts the scripture on the screen? I know that I am thankful because I have a toddler and I have to get my toddler and my husband and myself out of the house on a Sunday morning. And if I remember my Bible and remember to bring it out of the car 10 10 out of 10 times, it is in the diaper bag in the baby room. And if it's in the baby room, there's no, nobody's getting it. Because if we go in, it's nobody's getting it back. So if you're there, you can say I'm there, and if not, don't worry, because I'll probably think you're lying anyways, because I always lie. When Pastor Mike says, hey, hey, I say, hey, hey, with pride. So we're going to have it up on the screen. I love you you too, Andrea. Dre. So, okay, we're going to start reading. So it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted, which I looked up, guys. I, I know that you are fisher people on the East Coast, but I didn't know what buffeted means. It basically means to be battered by, like, a violent storm. So we're just expanding our vocabulary one sermon at a time here at Nova. So they were buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind died down. And those who were on the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this way at this church in this city, Lord. We ask that as we get into your word right now, your words would come alive in hearts and lives, and that we'd leave this place with a deeper understanding of you, a deeper faith in you, God, and that we would leave here encouraged and ready to take on the world around us. In your name, amen. Amen. So me and my son, Leo, the one who turned two today, he, uh, we were just in Ontario for two weeks uh, visiting family. So we've been, we got back on like Wednesday, I think. And, and so it was a really good time. It was a great time. And we go, when we go, we go visit, uh, well, we stay with my parents. Typically they work at a campground. Their director's there for the past few years. And so, uh, but I grew up going to this camp and every year we wait for like the one big storm as a child. So, I mean, I remember, like, washing my hair in one of the big storms with my sister, like, shampoo and everything and rinsing it out. Because if we took off our bathing suits, it meant that we were, like, confessing that we weren't going to swim anymore that day. And we were, like, full-on feral summer kids. And so we washed our hands in the rain. So every year we wait for this big storm. And this day, I wish I could tell you what day, but at camp, they're just kind of all one big day. So it was, like, 14 days of the day that we were at camp. And so... Whichever day it was, everyone knew this was the day that the storm was coming. So, like, and everyone waves at Brace. It's like a biker gang. Um, so you're, like, walking by, and someone's like, storms are coming. And you're like, I heard. Storms are coming. And, like, all the kids have their weather apps out because kids have phones now. And all the adults are, like, watching the tracker, like, the radar tracker on the Weather Network app, which I don't understand, but I'm not good with maps. It's, like, a huge hole in my, in my knowledge. I was really let down by my parents, when it came to that, Matt's laughing because he knows it's true. And so everyone's watching this, and they're like, the storm's coming. So my mom goes, hey, uh, you know, you just put Leo down. I put your nephew down. So do you mind? I'll say with the boys, can you go pick up your sister, Star, from Kids Church? Because it's, I don't want to get caught in the storm. And I was like, sure. So I hop in the golf cart because 
now that my parents are the directors of camp, we don't walk around Brayside like the common people. We drive golf carts. It's like Wally out there. You can ask Pastor Mike. Like, I think every time he saw me, I was like, hey, on my golf cart. So we ride golf carts there. We don't walk. And so I go on the golf cart. I go to my sister, and I'm like, hey, Star, let's go. And she's like, I can't go with you. I, 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 I got to get to the tuck shop. And the tuck shop is like where the poutine or the poutine for my friends from Montreal. This is where, like, the heavenly stuff happens every night where there's a movie on the lawn and she like she tricks someone to get her candy and it's a good time for her so she was like I'm not going home and I was like no star like the storm is coming and she was like it's not even raining she's got she's eight but she's got the attitude of like a 20 year old and the confidence too so so I'm like no no star like look at the clouds and she looks up and there's these like post-apocalyptic like black clouds that look like they're gonna swallow us up and she's like okay yeah, I'll get in the golf cart so we go home and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now. And she's like, what do you mean you're going? And I was like, well, you know, my friend's here. And so I, I'm, I got to go see my friend. And she was like, but what about the storm? I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. Don't worry. She's like, okay. So I get in the golf cart. I'm going to see my friend Philly, who will most likely listen to this podcast. So, hey, girl, you made it in. Um, and I'm driving. And as I'm driving, I run into my friend's son, who's standing on the middle of the road like this. <gasps> and I was like, hey, Spencer, Emily, can you take me home? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, sure. Do you want to get your bike? And he's like, oh, no time. And I was like, well, no, like I can grab your bike. And he's like, no, I don't know where it is. I'm like, you don't know where your bike is? He's like, no, just, just get, just let's go. And I was like, okay. So he hops in my golf cart and you just listen to a nine-year-old who's hyperventilating in the middle of the road. So we get in the golf cart and at this point we're like a three minute walk from his cottage. So like, I mean, golf cart, they like, golf carts they shave some time off so we're like maybe a two minute drive I got like the pedal to the metal so we're driving and still not raining or anything it's just like humid like that of a Floridian swamp or something like just unbearable and he's and you know he's like okay do you think we're gonna make it I'm like yeah buddy he's like okay <sighs> Emily you think we're gonna make it I'm like yeah man like we can see your cottage he's like okay yeah yeah so we're gonna make it right we're gonna make it I was like yeah Spence like we're gonna make it buddy and he was like okay Okay, and so we're like 15 feet from his cottage and this gust of wind comes and it felt so good. And it blew his hat off of his head. So I stopped the golf cart like any responsible mom would do. And I get out and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm getting your hat, buddy. And he's like, what? No time. And he gets off the golf cart and he runs like past his grandparents, past his cousins who rode their bikes home, past his aunt, into the cottage, into the basement. And I'm pretty sure he didn't come out that whole night. He stayed in a corner in the basement because a storm was a coming. But I think it's interesting to me that, that both Star and both Spencer, when a storm was coming, knew where their safe places were. And they weren't willing to let their preference of going to the tuck shop or their possessions like their bikes or people in their lives get in their way of getting to their safe place. And so today I would ask you, are you in a storm? Are you in a storm this morning? And I'm not, I don't mean like literal rain, post-apocalyptic cloud storm, like the metaphorical storms of life. Are you in a storm this morning, and for you, maybe that looks like a family member getting a bad report from a doctor, or maybe it's the loss of a job, or maybe uh, the relationships in your life are unraveling, or maybe you realize winter's coming in three weeks, and that's bad news for you. Or maybe, maybe it's, you know, your finances, you're just buried by them and overwhelmed by your lack, or maybe things just aren't turning out how you hoped they would in life, or you're stuck in a cycle of disappointment or you're trapped in some sort of sin, or you feel ruled by apathy, or whatever it may be, you can fill in the blank. Are you in a storm this morning, church? And if you are in a storm, that's okay. There's no shame. Uh, we just want to start. There's no shame to be stuck in a storm. So often we come into a place like this, we come to our church, or we come to our Nova group, or we get together with people of faith, and we go, hey, how is your week? Like, oh, so good. Like, too blessed 
to be stressed. And then you're like, oh, same. Like, you know, when the, when the praises go up, the blessings come down in Jesus' name, which is like a whole theological disparity. But, you know, we do that. But we, it's partly because we don't know how to talk about our storms, right? So it would be like, hey, man, like, how's your week going? Like, oh, buffeted. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, same, actually. Yeah, I'm buffeted, too. Turn, it's a good word, right? We're going to use it a lot this sermon. So get used to it. But meanwhile, you're pretending that things are fine, but actually, like, you're stressed out of your mind. Your marriage is on the rocks. you got another bill that you can't pay, and you're pretty sure that your dog hates you. And a dog is, like, the thing that you buy to love you. So things are, like, you are in a storm. And the problem is we don't like to talk about them. We don't like to acknowledge them because they don't look good. Like, they're not good content on Instagram. And if we're working on becoming those influencers, then, like, it's just, can't, can't post about the storms. And... You know, they don't sound good in a Christmas card. They don't really make for enjoyable hangouts with friends where you're like, man, I'm just so buffeted today. Like, no one likes that. And so we don't talk about it. But then we come into places like this and places of worship, and we're like, okay, if I can get through, like, the hour and whatever long it is, hour and ten minutes, or I don't know. I just come to church. I don't time it. So we, if I can just get here and I can just, like, feel tingly during worship and then, like, laugh at some of the preacher's bad jokes, no offense. And then, you know, then I can leave here and I'll be fine. If I can just do it, we don't bring our storms to God. We don't want to acknowledge that our storms are there. We're just like, I can just, if I can just get through it, it'll be, it'll be okay. As if God doesn't already know what you're facing. And partly it's because we're ashamed and we feel like storms are reflective of something that's going on in us. And we think things like, well, people of faith, like they don't have trouble in their marriage. Or like good Christians, they don't struggle with their finances. Or, or if people knew what I was going through, then they'd realize I really don't have it together. Or maybe I'm depressed because I don't have enough faith. Or maybe my dad is still sick because I don't pray properly. If they knew about my storm, they would judge me. They would know me. It wouldn't be good. And so instead of asking for support and asking for prayer from the community that God has gifted to us, this is a gift from God, we just face the storm on our own by ourselves with no one to help us. And so that's that. But if you're here and you're like, no, like life is pretty good. I don't, I have no complaints, no storms here. That's awesome. And like, I am so glad for you. Oh my gosh. That sounds so sarcastic. It's not meant to. Like I am, <laughs> I'm so glad that life is so good for you. No, it really isn't sarcastic. That's awesome. And that's great. And there's no clouds in your skies. Like praise God. That's a good day. But there's one thing that you need to know whether there's not a single cloud in your sky or you are being just buffeted. Uh, storms will come and storms happen. It's just really encouraging. I wanted to encourage you with that today. I'll see you guys later. Um, Pastor Mike, you're up. No. But when we find ourselves wrestling the waves, wrestling the waves of the storm, I believe that in this story, we can take encouragement. We can maybe build up some courage and we can maybe remove some stigmas that we feel about the storm. Because storms can either be deadly or they can develop. They can sink you or they can serve you. And so if your storm is here, just know today that your storm can sink you or it can serve you. Storms have the ability to build something in us, a deep like grit and resolve in our faith to serve God better. And I believe that we can walk into a storm a little bit wishy-washy and walk out of it with a deeper passion for God, a deeper hope in Jesus, a deeper conviction for what he's called us to than ever before. But we need to be able to brave 
and to wrestle the waves. And so for the next couple of minutes, can we just be honest with ourselves about the storms that we're facing? Can we just know, like, know that there's no judgment, there's no condemnation? God's not like, I knew you were in a storm. Well, that's that, I guess. Like, let's be honest with ourselves and before God about these things that we're going through. Because I believe that if we wrestle the waves, we can come out on top. And so if you're taking notes, and I know Matt is, and someone else. I don't know your name, but thank you. Uh, The first point is that storms happen. I know I've made this clear, but storms, they happen. And sometimes storms happen and we don't know why. Sometimes it's just because there's evil in the world. Something was done to you. Maybe you were abused or whatever the case may be. And I am so sorry that that happened to you, but sometimes they happen because there's evil in the world. And sometimes they happen because we live in a fallen world. And that might look like a bad report from a doctor. It's not God's punishment over your life. It's just the collateral damage of living in a world after the garden. Or maybe you're here and you're like, oh no, my storm, I did that. I did that to me. And so that's why you would all judge me if you knew because I did this to myself. And to you, I just want to say that the same Jesus who stood on the waves while Peter was drowning is the same Jesus who stood between a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and an angry mob who wanted to kill her. And that same Jesus stands on the waves before you today. And maybe you're here and you're like, I think maybe God has brought me into the storm. And sometimes God leads us into the eye of the storm because we need to develop that steel and that grit within us to follow him. Let's check it out here. It says, immediately Jesus made made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd down a few chapters says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it isn't it funny that they the disciples were exactly where god told, where jesus had told them to be they were like literally on a mission from god they weren't like oh let's just give me a nice day for the boat let's go out and get some insta content like they were out there on a mission from God. And actually the term which says to go to the other side signaled a shift in their ministry. So it basically meant that they were either going from Gentile land to Jewish land to do ministry, or they're going from Jewish land to Gentile land to do ministry. So no matter how you swing it, they were on their way to do the work of the Lord. And so sometimes when this happens to us, we get so discouraged and we're like, I'm doing everything right, God. Where are you? Or like, I tithe, and I still can barely make ends meet. I thought you promised to bless me. Or I'm I'm serving, but I'm still really anxious. Or I go to church, and I still have no purpose. Or whatever the case may be. I've done all the right things. I've been so faithful. Why does my life not look the way it's supposed to now? And I think that probably if we had ears on that boat, they would have been saying similar things. Like, hey, uh, John, because you know that John probably was the guy in the known John. Jesus told us to get in the boat, right? Like to go to the other side. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Jesus? He said it to all of us. And they're like, right. But like you think he told us, he, he t- wanted us to go in the boat. And they're like, well, he made us get in the boat. And they're like, right, yeah, okay. He made us get in the boat. But like he wouldn't send us here to die, right? No, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. Like, would he? No, I think he did. I think he sent us out here to die. And I don't know if you've ever had a season like that, but I have. And I've been like, I think we've been sent to the desert to die. Very dramatic seasons in my life. And actually recently, so like I said, we came for the year to learn. And as the year was approaching, Matt and I were like, I don't know if our season is done in Nova Scotia. And so we really started to wrestle that wave. And so after literal like months of agonizing over like what it is and seeking the Lord and being like, God, please just tell us 
what to do with our lives. We were like, okay, our season in Nova Scotia is not done. We are full of faith and confidence and excitement. And the first day we went over to Pastor Mike and Nancy's house and we we're like, we're going to tell them and we're so excited. And our check engine light came on and our car was like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. I don't know what was going on. Stuff, bad stuff. And so, you know, we're like, okay, we'll just It'll be fine, and we'll, we'll send the car to Jordash, and we'll, you know, we'll see a mechanic. And so we go and see a mechanic, and the mechanic's like, it'll be like two thousand, three thousand, whatever, man, however many dollars I feel like charging you today. And we're like, okay. So like, Jordash, can you do it? And Jordash's like, yeah, I can take a look. And he's like, oh, I can't fix it, but like, here's some ideas. And so we go, and whatever. And so through all of this, I am like feeling like we're in a storm, right? Because our car is this thing that we have so much confidence in. It's like the first time we've owned a car pre two thousand, and so we're like, this is this van is like our our future. And so I'm like, babe, I think we made a mistake. We misheard from God. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, it's time. It's time. We can just, we'll just tell everyone like, we'll lie. We don't even have to tell them why we're going home. Something came up back home. We need to go back. I just, I, I want to go home. I want to go see my mom. And, and he's like, okay, well, if that's what you really want to do. And I was like, no, I'm being ridiculous. And in that moment, I realized that my, my security, my safe place in a time of trouble, in a storm, wasn't in the things that it should have been. It was in my bank account, and it was in my familiarity. And we have a choice. We can either put our hope in Jesus, the very unshakable supernatural God that we serve, or the very shakable natural, like a car and mechanics, but not Jordash because he helped us out. So thank God for community, the gift that it is, right? So good. I got some excited people about community over there. So the thing is, they can do two things. They can develop our faith. They can sink us or they can serve us. And that is an uncomfortable process. It's uncomfortable to be stretched in our faith. It's uncomfortable to grow in our faith. But when we allow the storms to grow our faith, we're able to step out. And that's my second point. So see how seamless that was? We got to step out of the boat. It says in verse 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, was, you know, as you do. Uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if that's you, Peter replied, <laughs> tell me to come to you on the water, which I would never say. So go on, Peter. Come, he said. So Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. I think this is such a cool spot in the story, not because of the walking on water, but because we see something really cool happen in the heart of Peter. We see this really cool desperation rise up in him. And I think, just before we go any further, poor Peter, right? Like, he gets a bad rap. Everyone's always like, Peter with the big mouth. Peter who cut the guy's ear off. Peter who still didn't get it. But, like, honestly, like, Peter is just a man who's trying to figure out what it means to apprentice under Jesus, who is already like just blowing his mind when it comes to everything he thought, all of his preconceived notions about who the Messiah was going to be. And he's like just blowing his mind. He's stretching it, his faith and his understanding. And so like we just need to go easier on Peter as a group, but that's all. But, you know, Peter doesn't want to walk on water. Just He's not chasing a miracle. He's not just like, oh, that'd be cool. I'd like to try that in this buffeting storm. Uh, he is desperate for his safe place. He is desperate for Jesus. He looks at Jesus and goes, oh, there's my safe place. I need to get myself there. And so when storms in your life come, where is your safe place? Where do you go? Where do you run to in times of trouble? Or 
Put another way, what are your coping mechanisms, right? Like we have so many things that we do that, that maybe aren't safe places, but they kind of make us feel better, you know? Like we're like, oh, bad day, feeling discouraged. Shopping always makes me feel better. Uh, or, you know, we look at something on the computer that we shouldn't be looking at, or we go back to the familiar, or we worry. We just let ourselves be overcome with worry because it feels really active. And so, whatever it may be, we fool ourselves into finding security in things that make us feel better in the moment but aren't safe places in the long run. It would be like if one of the disciples, I don't know, like Bartholomew, because it's a fun name, was like, guys, I know that we're being buffeted, but like, I got snacks, because he was Italian probably. And so everyone's like, oh, God, snacks, I feel better. And then, you know, you got like Judas, he's like, I got some money saved. And they're like, woo, feeling better. It's kind of like me being like, our car is broken, let's go see my mom. She's really good with cars. No, she's not. So, you know, we do this to ourselves because, but at the thing is, at this point in the story, the boat isn't even a safe place. So Peter had the choice. He could either wrestle the waves to get to Jesus, or he could cling to a sinking ship. And Psalm 46 is that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Let's, let, let's read that again and let it sink in, church. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present, say ever-present, help in trouble. And Peter, he just like gets it. He nails it. He recognizes that the boat's not going to save him. He just needs to get to Jesus. And I'm going to say it again. He realizes that it's safer to wrestle the waves than it is to cling to a sinking ship. So for today, nothing has changed. There's only one safe place. There's only one unshakable security, and that is in the person of Jesus. And in the midst of the storms of our lives, we can play it safe. We can find a stopgap. But the boat isn't any safer. And can I just encourage some of you who are here today who might be facing a storm, you maybe need to start stirring up some passion in your life, stirring up some desperation for Jesus in your life. Maybe the time has come for you to step out of the boat, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's time to press in. So maybe that means in worship you need to lift your hands and lift your voice like you're actually contending to encounter God, like you're actually contending for a touch from heaven. Or maybe it means that you need to take some time throughout your week to open God's word so that you can get to know Jesus and not just who everyone tells you Jesus is, so you can figure him out yourself and have a relationship with him by yourself. Maybe for you, it means that you need to stir up some faith and start praying like you haven't prayed before. Maybe you need to stop trying to control your life and to submit it to the call of God. Maybe it's time for us to get a little bit desperate, church, a little bit desperate, not because we're at the end of our ropes, but because Jesus is the only one that can save us in our storm. And maybe at this point you're like, yeah, Emily, like, I've been doing that. Like, I'm out of the boat. I'm really uncomfortable. And I'm like, I think I'm sinking. And, and that's okay because basically you're just, you're just Peter, you know? Um, you know, he got out of the boat. And at first, like, your faith was strong. You were like, we got this. We're going to make it through this. But over and over, the waves were over your head, and you were buffeting. And, you know, as the waves crashed down, the confidence of your faith was shaken. It was chipped away, and fear began to chip it away. And I think it's interesting that it says Peter saw the wind, which, first of all, how do you see wind? No one can see wind. And so he saw the wind, which implies to me that he took his eyes 
off of Jesus. And so some of you today need to refix your gaze. Maybe you're not even out of that boat and you're like, okay, I see Jesus. It's time. I can keep my eyes on him. Hebrews 12 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus today, church, so we do not grow weary and we do not lose hope because the circumstances you are facing today are too much for you to coast through on yesterday's hope. You need a new revelation of Jesus that's not just religion in your life to get through the storm. You might actually have to cry out to Jesus. And when your fear and circumstances are too big and you've gotten out of that boat, sometimes the only thing you can do is call to Jesus. And when we call to Jesus, he is so faithful to reach out his hand, which is my third point. Jesus is close. Jesus is so close. Or maybe another way, Jesus is near. Jesus is right there. He's not far. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. In the moment where Peter was sinking and the waves were too much, Jesus reaches for him. And there are some of you in this place who feel like you're too far gone. The waves have beaten you down. There's no way out. But can I encourage you? You've tried to get to Jesus, but maybe now you just need to call for him. And he will be faithful to reach out. Because when we sink... Jesus saves. When we sink, he saves. And he doesn't need you to be strong enough or good enough or faithful enough. He can lift you from a deadlift. It's not like he's like, oh, it's just a little bit much for me. He's like, no, I got this. Because the waves, when the waves were washing over the boat, over their heads, Jesus stood on those saved waves. And he pulled Jesus from, or Jesus, Jesus pulled Peter from the waves that he was drowning in and put his feet on top of those waves. And so church today, I don't know what you're facing. It may be over your head, but guess what? It's under the feet of Jesus. And so I don't know what you're going through, what your storms look like, but can I tell you today that they are under the feet of Jesus. If depression is over your head today, guess what? It's under the feet of Jesus. If fear is over your head today, guess what? It's on, under the feet of Jesus. If sickness is over your head today, guess what? It's under the feet of Jesus. If you're feeling overwhelmed today, guess what? Jesus knows your circumstance and it's under his feet. And when you call out to him, he pulls you up. He's faithful to lift you above those storms and the storms that were washing over your head and drowning you are now the storm, the feet, the sickness waves that you stand on because Jesus is there when we sink. He's there to save you and he is faithful to do that. So no matter what you're facing today, church, remember that Jesus, the name above every other name is close. And he pulls Peter up and with, I imagine, a lot of compassion and grace says, Why'd you doubt? I I got this. I got you. And so if you're here today and you know, you're like, I am in a storm and I could really use someone to carry me. You know, I am being buffeted. The waves are over my head and I'd really like to be able to stand. But you're also like, but I don't know Jesus. I don't know how to call out to Jesus or reach out to Jesus because I don't know him and I don't know how to know him. And I'm not a very good person. I always do the wrong thing. Can I just tell you today that there is hope for you today and that you don't need to be a good person. Jesus didn't come for good people or church people. He came for all people. So there is breath in your lungs today. Jesus came for you. There's nothing that you've done that is too big or too bad. In fact, you're like, but I sin all the time. 
Well, you know what? We all did. It just kind of makes you human. In fact, there was so much sin that God had to send his son so that we could know him, so that we could enter into relationship with him because without the sacrifice of his son, we had no hope. It wasn't like a little bit of hope. It was like we were drowning and there's no way that we can stand on waves. And God said, it's okay, I'll send my son. I'll pull you up on those waves. And so today, if you're here and you're like, hey, I'd like to know Jesus. There is, we're gonna make some space for that. So if everyone in the room would just close their eyes, bow their heads, there's nothing weird going on. It's not so I can like pad numbers or anything. It's just to honor the privacy happening in this room. And so if you're in this place and you would say, I want to know Jesus. I want to become a Christian. I want to find that safe place in the storm. Would you just put up your hands so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see those hands. Yeah. Anyone else you wanna find that safe place? Yeah, I see your hands. Okay, we're all gonna pray this prayer together. So if you're in this room and you can speak, can you just repeat after me? We're gonna say, dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you conquered my sin. I confess that I've sinned and ask you to forgive me. I'm done living my way. I accept you as Lord of my life and ask you to lead me and guide me Help me live the life you have for me. Amen.